Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Larry Kay. I'm a recovered compulsive reader from Chicago. Today is Thursday, September 3rd, 2020. Today we are reading from the big book, and we are currently on page three in Bill's story. The uh, second paragraph, it begins, my drinking assumed, and we're just going to read the one paragraph only. So today's readers, we have Randy G on the 12 Steps, Yvette L on the 12 Traditions, and the readers of the text are Benita L, Irene B, and Katie G. Okay, um, also, uh, we have a newcomer greeter following this meeting, and that's Rick J, and the hostess, and the host of the most for the second hour is Matt F. Uh, the share ID for yesterday, Wednesday, September 2nd, for the 7 a.m. meeting, that number is 15,266. That's 15266. And for the 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time meeting, 15,267. That's 15267. The OA Pre Ramble, Overeaters Anonymous, is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement. And Katie, you could you can mute, or whoever's on the board, you can mute the lines there again if you would. Um, thank you. Uh, so, we're not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors. And then we, we go out and carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states that each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive reader who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating, well, they can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. So now I'd like to um, ask Randy G to step up to the mic here and read the 12 steps. Good morning, Randy. Thanks for your service. Good morning, Randy G. Happy to be here. Our 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over alcohol, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. 10, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12, 
having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we try to carry this message to alcoholics and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Pass. Thanks, Randy. Okay, and Yvette L., it's your turn. Up to the mic here, Yvette, for the 12 Traditions. Good morning. Thanks, Larry. Uh, my name's Yvette L., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in New Britain, Connecticut. Uh, the 12 Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for letting me do service. Uh, thanks, Yvette, for, for that service. Uh, here's how the meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. What we do is we read a paragraph or two from the literature, then we stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your sharing to, share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive readers only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year, for readers it's six months, and there's no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read, and of course we're sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. If you'd like to share, press star one to unmute. Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. And so here's where we are today. We're, we're still in Bill's story uh, in the big book. Uh, we are on page three, the second paragraph that begins, my drinking assumed. And uh, Vanita's just gonna read the one paragraph and comment on that. So with that, let me introduce uh, Vanita L. Good morning, Vanita. Good morning, Larry. My drinking, I'm a, compuls a recovered compulsive overeater. My drinking assumed more serious proportions, continuing all day and almost every night. The remonstrances of my friends terminated in a row, and I became a lone wolf. 
There were many happy, unhappy scenes in our sumptuous apartment. There had been no real infidelity for loyalty to my wife, helped at times by extreme drunkenness, helped keep me out of those scrapes. So, you know, obviously his drinking is progressing. The disease is progressing, which is one of the promises of the disease, that things will get worse. And, um, you know, he's starting to alienate himself from his friends and he's becoming a lone wolf, which I can completely relate to. Um, Yeah, I think loneliness is is a real driver for my um, compulsive eating disorder. Um, You know, and it was rooted obviously back in my early development. And then overeating was a way to comfort myself and to feel some sort of fullness and to try to fill up the loneliness, fill up that feeling of loneliness. And, um, yeah, I mean, I still have to really watch for that because I have a tendency, what we call um, isolating, you know, some people call it social anorexia, which is a term I really like, but, um, you know, learning to stay connected, to call people in the program when I don't feel well. Calling people up and saying, um, hi, I'm calling, and they're like, are you okay? Yeah, I'm okay. I just felt I have a need for connection. I don't think I even could verbalize that I had a need for connection until um, really the past few years to even identify that and then to say it because I had so much shame about feeling I needed to be connected, not realizing that that's a normal human need. You know, and here his relationship with his wife is going down. They have this luxury apartment, but, you know, there's a lot of um, disharmony going on there. And then, you know, well, probably the alcohol is altering his judgment too, but then the drunkenness is saving him, you know, from having affairs. But obviously overeating has definitely affected my sexual energy and it's um, very tied in with my body image, overeating my body image and um, my relationship patterns and my sexuality. So I think overeating it really in a different way than Bill's story, but overeating has really dramatically affected um, my relationships and um, my sexuality and they're super intertwined. So there's a lot of here, a lot of correlations here with um, eating disorders, with overeating, and all the strange ways our disease shows up. Also. Oh, thank you, Vanita. Lovely job. And uh, now we'll we'll go ahead and transition to uh, to shares. Um, so again, page three, uh, Vanita read from Bill's story, uh, second paragraph, my drinking assumed just the one paragraph only. And, uh, although we value your experience, we ask that you limit your sharing to every, every third day in order that others can kind of dip their feet in the pool too here. Right. And so, um, with that, if you give me your first name and initial, Amy I, all I got out of that was Lisa B and Amy G. Irene, Irene. Irene. Wendy Irene. M. 
Arlen. I think I heard Hello, Wendy. Phil. Who did I miss? Uh, yeah, yeah, I got you, Harley. I got, I got um, Lisa, Amy, Irene, Harlan, Wendy, Phil, and who else? Darren. Heidi L. Darren and Heidi. Let's stop there. And Heidi. Okay. So here's what I got: Lisa, Amy, Irene, Harlan, Wendy, Phil, uh, Darren, and Heidi. And then we'll get you. Uh, we'll get you on the go round. If you're not Lisa B, if you would be kind enough to mute your phone again. And with that, let's go to L-E-S-A, Lisa. Good morning, Lisa. Good morning, Larry. Thank you so much for your service this morning. My name is Lisa B. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Greenville, South Carolina. And um, <clears throat> there is so much here. The word that came up for me, uh, unhappy scenes. So uh, I was a white knuckle abstinence when I met my husband and when I married him and I thought now all my problems are solved and maybe I made too much of this maybe I really don't have a problem with food and when I learned about abstinence I thought abstinence was the goal I had no idea that it's about treating my mind with the 12 steps in abstinence or that my mind will take me back to the food um so I, ne- I never knew that. You know, I didn't understand that. So guess what? I eventually picked up the food again. And I remember his parents coming over one Sunday, and I didn't really want to be around his parents. So I went in our bedroom and closed the door with my plate full of chocolate chip cookies, you know, and that hurt him. And I know it hurt his parents, but um, I felt totally justified in doing that. And the selfishness, the self-absorption, God-shaped hole inside of me. I had no idea what was really happening inside of me. I was not happy, but I thought this is as good as it's going to get. And it's ridiculous to think that someone could live in entire abstinence. Um, The other thing I wanted to share on is that, you know, my lover was food. I was in I was not loyal to my husband because lover, my lover was food and I was not loyal to my higher power. Um, I place shopping on the internet and compulsive eating as things that made me happy. And I remember one day my husband said to me, you know, why do you need to eat like that? And why do you need to shop like that? And I said to him, those are the only things that, that make me happy. And isn't that sad? You know, isn't that sad to say that to this person that, that loves me so much? How painful that was to, for him to hear that. And the other thing um, that jumped out for me was the serious proportions. Um, he used to say to me, you know, you could get diabetes. You might have a gallbladder attack. It's just not healthy to consume so such large amounts of sugar like that. It's just not normal. But I didn't know any other solution. I would get warnings from people, but I just didn't know any other solution. And my life today has been transformed. And I'm so grateful for that. So I just wanted to identify in with that paragraph. I pass. Thank you, Lisa. Good morning, Baltimore. Hey, Amy. Good morning. Hey, Larry, good morning. Thank you so much for your service. Thank you, everyone, for an awesome meeting. Love, vision for you. My name, oh, I just said, my name is Amy G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Maryland. So the remonstrations of my friends terminated in a row, and I became a lone, lone wolf. 
So there's a saying in the rooms that says quite often your loved ones or the people around you notice the destruction of the disease in you before you do. And I can so understand that. But but here for me, as this disease, we're seeing the progression of this disease. You know, people around me saw what the disease was doing to me. But what they didn't understand is what it was doing for me. And I, I didn't even understand what it was doing for me at that point either. But the, but the reality is that, you know, he's saying things took on more serious proportions. I got to a point where my substance was more important than any relationship, any circumstance. I mean, I would go to the movies with you, but if you didn't want to go to the movies, for example, where I had my favorite binge foods, I wouldn't go to the movies with you because it was more important to me to have my substance, to have my binge foods. And, and that's when this disease progresses to a point that is beyond my control. I mean, this is the progression of my compulsive reading. And for Bill, his alcoholism, denial, delusion, and defiance. I mean, it used to be he would try to convince Lois all the reasons why drinking was okay. Now he doesn't, he doesn't care. He just wants to have his drink. And that's the same for me. And, and the denial, you know, when you break it up, they say, don't even know that I am lying. And that's what the denial was for me. And I, I had to have my fix. It became, it became a way of living my life would be to binge. And, then, and that's how I was dealing with life. That was my, my answer to life. And that was the only way, as the other person was saying, uh, Lisa was saying, is that was the only way that I knew how to cope. And it became my way of life. And God forbid anybody got in between me and my binge foods. And um, the last thing I'll say is that in, in AA, in the 12 and 12, it says, you know, we have warped our minds with such an obsession for destructive um, eating or drink, drinking that only an act of providence can relieve us. And, and when my disease progressed to this point, that's exactly what happened because my thinking was only in line for getting me to the next binge food. It was not in line with, with reason or um, listening to what other people had to say about it. I was beyond hearing what anyone had to say. I was beyond reason. This was dealing with something, a mental obsession that was beyond my ability to control, as well as a physical allergy. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks so much, Amy. Okay, we have Irene followed by Harlan. Hey, Irene B., good morning. Good morning, Larry. Thank you so much for your service. I'm Irene B. from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Recovered bulimic. Funny for me to say that. My drinking assumed more serious proportions, continuing all day and almost every night. Okay, that applies to me. Only I wouldn't say almost every night. It is like totally and completely every night and any part of the day that I wasn't in a structure type setting. Yeah, I became bulimic when I was 18. And um, man, um, I thought I had discovered uh, gold. And I had no idea what it was going to do to me. It didn't take long in less than a week, I realized, oh, my gosh, I got to get some, you know, I, I got to get into life. And I couldn't stop. This is how quickly bulimia took over my life. It was, uh, and talk about becoming a lone wolf. Yeah, my entire sole purpose in life became to isolate. And um, I have to say that I have multiple addictions. My first addiction is to external validation. 
I need you to approve me because that's just what life did to me or that's just how I unfolded. And, um, yeah, I thought I was damaged goods. So I really needed you to tell me I was okay. So I became addicted to people. I was codependent. But, you know, uh, that didn't work very well for me. People were not reliable. They were not able to give me that which I needed, which was uh, ease and comfort. I needed to be comforted, and and that wasn't going to happen for me. So I turned to food. Food was far more reliable than people were. And um, in this, and, and, and then it's like, okay, so I have recovered in spite of the fact that my husband has basically left me, TMI. Okay, that's what I have to deal with. And I am codependent. It's like, and, and God recovered me from, from bulimia in spite of that. That is a miracle beyond miracles. But in, in, in my past life, I would say, if he loved me, I would be okay. Well, that's not true because here it is, my wife to applaud. So this guy has his wife's full support applauding him. And that wasn't enough. That wasn't going to do it. Convicted. You know, um, and then over here it says, I began to be jittery in the morning. Yes, jittery. Electrolyte imbalance. Talk about jittery. And nothing would stop me because I was addicted. I was sick. And I just thank God for this program that um, that's helping me overcome this. And I don't know if my time is up, but I better pass. Yes. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thanks, Irene. Thanks for the share. Okay, next up with 10 home runs, Cub center fielder <laughs> Ian Happ. <laughs> I love that guy. Thanks, Larry, and thanks for your service. I'm Harlan G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater, and I'm in Scottsdale, Arizona. On page two in the first paragraph that we read Monday, it says here, Though my drinking was not yet continuous. Now, we're going to look for the progression of the disease. The disease is permanent, progressive, and fatal. Then it says here on page three, the kid from East Dorset, Vermont, the kid who never had anything in his life, the kid who in 1906 had his parents' divorce, the kid who suffered from depression his entire adult life and an anxiety disorder and alcoholism. He says, for the next few years, fortune through money and applause my way, I had arrived. He's in New York. He is living on Park Avenue. He self-describes as a stockbroker. That's not true. He's a New York City stock speculator, and he makes his money selling his opinions to investors who cut him in on the profit. He makes a, excuse me, a host of fair weather friends. Now let's see where he goes in one paragraph. My drinking assumed more serious proportions, progressive, continuing all day and almost every night. We're going to see in the next paragraph that we read tomorrow that his drinking is going to go every night and every day. 
the remonstrances, remonstrances are protestations of his friends, terminated in a row, not a row, but a row. A row is a quarrel, a row is a fight, and he becomes a lone wolf. So when everything he ever wanted was in front of him, the roaring 20s, everything he ever wanted was in speculation, the money is rolling in. He's got fair weather friends. He's a darling of New York. He is going to choose liquor over everything. Can I relate to the way Bill drinks? Yes. Can I relate to the way he thinks? Yes. When given the choice between every dream I've ever dreamed and Charleston Chews and Chips Ahoy and Doritos, I choose Chips Ahoy, Doritos, and Charleston Chew. And there were many unhappy scenes in our sumptuous apartment. The alcoholism that he suffers from is pervading into his domestic life. There had been no real infidelity for loyalty to my wife helped at scrapes by extreme drunkenness, kept me out of those scrapes. In AA, we have as Bill sees it. In Al-Anon, they have as Lois remembers. This is one part where they're not always the same. So the progression of his alcoholism is very visible. Can I relate to Bill? You bet that I can. I never cheated on my wife. I never, you know, I, I don't have that. But there were other areas of my life that the disease vandalized, putrefied, and committed arson on. And as I recover, those areas that I didn't even know were broken get repaired over time in the reconstruction phase. So this paragraph illustrates perfectly the progression of Bill's disease. It illustrates perfectly the gravitational pull of alcohol. He will choose alcohol over friends, alcohol over wealth, and alcohol over everything he's ever dreamed about from the time he was a little boy. And with that, I will pass. Thank you. Thanks, Harlan. Okay, next up we have Wendy, followed by Philomena. Hey, Wendy, good morning. It's your turn. Good morning. This is Wendy M., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Raleigh, North Carolina. Thank you. Um, that, these first two sentences and then what Harlan just shared as well, it's just are flying out to me at like bright <laughs> lights. Um, and this is totally what my, the disease was and my eating career did for me. My drinking assumed more serious proportions, continuing all day and almost every night. Um, and I became a lone wolf. Just this week, my sister brought up a memory of something that apparently happens every fall, has happened every fall. I only have that memory for the last two years. And I had the awareness afterwards of where, where was I? Well, Wendy, you were in the food for a good solid 10 to 15 years. And that's why you don't have that memory. But because I became a lone wolf, I probably was physically present, but I was not there with them because my mind was on the food all the time. I was in a food coma, and that is all that I could think about. And what has been such an amazing, amazing gift and a miracle of the program for me that I am forever grateful for is that 
the number of memories that I have now in the one to two years in a re, you know living in recovery um, in a recovered state is far outweighs the number of memories just in a 20-year period in a food coma. And things aren't always perfect. There are things, you know, bad that happen. Um, I feel all of the emotions now. I'm not in some, you know, food coma. Um, I feel happy, sad, glad, <laughs> all of them. Um, but my mom used to have us have to say that at dinner, um, what made us happy, sad, glad, or mad today. Um, but I, I feel everything now, and it is such a gift. And I'm not a lone wolf. I'm surrounded by friends and family. Um, and what also um, helps me not feel so alone is my connection with my higher power. Um, but it was that progression of the illness. The food was what I was constantly thinking of all day and every night. Um, and it had me in its grip. Thank you. I'll pass. Oh, thank you, Wendy. Okay, we got uh, Philomena next, followed by Darren. Let's go to where it's almost abstinent lunchtime. Hey, Phil. Good morning. Uh, or I afternoon. Thank you for your service. <laughs> I'm uh, Philomena. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Carrick Fergus in Northern Ireland. Um, the line that uh, stuck out at me today was there had been no real infidelity for loyalty to my wife helped at times by extreme drunkenness, kept me out of those scrapes. Well, to me, I'm, I'm discovering more and more what a hero Lois has been. You know, she's there through every line of Bill's experience and history. She supported him, she was with him. And I find myself wondering, why did she feel when she read that sentence? You know, was it something she suspected already? Did it hurt her? But she kept loyal and faithful to him. Um, until they were separated by death. So uh, really just recently, I'm also realizing how hard I was to live with uh, when I was in the addiction of overeating. Um, I felt bad about me, about how I looked, but I expected my poor husband not to, to feel bad about me, to love me through it all. Um, and I was gutted when he looked at me with disgust. Um, he told me when I put on weight and uh, became a size 14 UK or size 10 in the US uh, that it was a turn off for him. And I was so full of anger. We weren't actually doing anything socially, but anyway, I was, I was really angry. And uh, I thought, and this was conscious, you know, uh, you think this is bad? You know, and, and I ate at him. Uh, it's a term I've, term I've heard and I realize what it means and I ate my way all up to uh, 16 and a half stone 231 pounds last year so um, thank God with the help of this program with the help of uh, a vision for you um, and OA I've been able to release uh, 49 pounds I'm still uh, physically large but that's okay my life is a lot better um, my husband has passed on. We did apologize to one another, and I've made a step nine amends uh, to him since his passing. Uh, so there's an awful lot to be grateful for. There really is. And it's okay to know that I'm that more is being revealed 
you know, about how I was and who I was, because I know that, um, you know, I'm not perfect, and it wasn't perfect, um, but that I'm still loved and lovable. And uh, with that, I'll pass, and thank you all very much for being part of this journey. Thanks so much, Phil. Okay, we have Darren up next, followed by Heidi. Hey, Darren, good to hear your voice. Hey there, it's actually Darian. Oh, it's Darian. Hey, Darian, it's good to hear your voice, too. It's Darian from the Berkshires. Um, I'm a recovered compulsive overeater and really grateful to be with all of you this morning. Back in the routine of the early mornings. Um, so, boy, you know, I love the way Bill tells his story. He's such a, um, such a storyteller. You know, he gives me these visions in my head, you know, and that's what kids, you know, I work with kids and they're supposed to make movies in their head and see scenes in their head. And before this particular paragraph, we read about the bar scene and, the, and you know, I can hear the clanking glasses and the smoke-filled room and the, the, the noise, you know, that sort of black and white picture of like the gay 20s, right? And how everything was just happy, happy. And then this stark um, opposition in an apartment with his wife isolating, you know, and, and maybe just the noise of them arguing, um, you know, or him snoring because he's always fallen asleep, you know, just, uh, I love, I love, you know, just seeing the, the change in a human being uh, that can come from this disease. I mean, I don't love it, but I just love the way he described it, I should say. Um, and so what it does for me is it gives me a healthy fear of what the progression of this disease is. You know, I had a lot of things I didn't do yet. And I think, I don't know if it's an AA, but they call yet you're eligible too. And so I, for me, you know, I didn't, um, I wasn't really a binger, it was more of a grazer. I didn't eat in the middle of the night. Um, you know, I, I maybe didn't eat as much as I um, wanted to because I felt guilty or ashamed. Um, you know, I didn't get up over 200 pounds. I was just a little bit under 200 pounds. So, you know, there's a lot of stuff out there that my disease progression will take me to and more. I, I really believe that. Um, and so I just take it, it. It helps me to take pause and to know that, you know, this could be me, but for the grace of God, go I. And, um, you know, just helps me to see why it's so important to be vigilant and dedicated and disciplined in this program and to, you know, listen to the meetings and pray in the morning and make calls, you know, to newcomers, have sponsees uh, that, that, you know, I can um, help through the steps and, and all the work that we do, which is a lot of work, but it's so worth it because it keeps me from going back to those um, things that I had no idea about, but surely it's just waiting around the corner for me. Um, and so, uh, so grateful, so grateful for the warning signs, um, you know, that we have in this program and through the steps. And this is the only way that we see them is actually reading the these books and um, and heeding these warnings. And so thank you, I pass. Thanks so much, Darian. Okay, before we take more shares, we, uh, next up, she's no longer hiding, it's Heidi. Hey, Heidi. Hey there, this is Heidi, mm -hmm. a, I'm going to say this, a recovered 
compulsive overeater from Toronto. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> I have 185 days today, and I am grateful to all of you. And I don't think it's a coincidence that since I started listening live to this meeting, um, I'm able to just not eat compulsively. Um, I'm a little bit scared about what's going to happen in the new year and all this, this, whatever, but it doesn't matter. What I read was um, there was no real infidelity. What does that mean? Um, There was no, like, I'm not really binging. I'm just a little bit binging or whatever. So I just, it really occurred to me when I'm reading this that uh, there was no real infidelity is, is a pretty funny statement. Uh, it's not terribly reassuring for anyone. Um, If my husband says to me, well, I'm not really having an affair, what does that mean? So that's what struck me. I'm just, it's also my son's 13th birthday today. And it was around 13 years ago that I picked up, I was very cleanly abstinent through two pregnancies, all of that stuff. And then somehow around somewhere in the year of his birth, I just sort of picked up again and began the slow 13-year descent into relapse. Uh, then it became a full relapse, and now I am sweetly and uh, serenely abstinent. And I thank you all. I pass. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Heidi. All right, just to let you know where we're at, uh, we're in Bill's story on page three. Uh, Benita read the second paragraph only. My drinking assumed. So if you haven't shared in the past couple of days, who would like to share on what was read? Russ M. Russ? Jennifer C. Jennifer? Liz in the UK. Liz. Anita J. Anita Suri. Vinny P. Maya K. Vinny and Maya. Let's stop with that and kind of see where we get here. Okay, you guys? So... If you're not good old Russell, um, if you would be kind enough to um, to mute your line, and let's welcome to the line our buddy from Philly, Russ. Good morning, Russ. Hey, Russ, press star one. Okay, buddy, we muted you. Hello. We good hey, now? Oh, all right, brother. Thank you. Uh, Russ M. Recover Compulsive Over Eaters outside of Philly. So I, I oh man, I, I'm going to reiterate and just repeat what others have said with this. You know, it's like, it, you know, I'm driving to work today and I'm thinking, how the hell can I be so free? How the hell can I be so free when I lost everything to this disease? You know, sometimes I I look back and say it's progressive. Shit, I was I was uh, I was full bore about three minutes after I was born. I was gone my whole life. I was in a perpetual relapse. I lost everything, my relationships. You know, everything you can imagine. Really, honestly, you know, I'm not trying to be overly uh, dramatic here. And I'm I'm driving where how can I be so free, right? Through this program, through this program. And, 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 and my relationship with God, the, you know, enlarging and perfecting my spiritual life. How, like these are, these are, you know, there's incomprehensible demoralization. There's unrealistic miracles when, when we live this way of life. And, you know, I can't imagine, you know, what Bill, can you imagine those first 100? 
with their minds and their spirits and their relationships and their lives, how they, how they changed, how it was just ridiculously crazy in a, in a good way when they started working this program. Things were being restored. You know, today I was just discussing with a fellow. Like, my legs are getting back under me, man. And all, all I really can credit is, is this program. That this dude that, that thought he was a hot shot, that he was cocky, and he had the world body, you know what? So we thought, crashed and burned, and was humbled, and he relied on God. And this whole program developed and freed so many people. You know? I don't know. I know it wasn't close to the reading, but, you know, I just got to get a, get that off my chest because I'd be nowhere without this. I'd be dead, really dead, like gone. So, look, I love you, so if you ever need me, just hit me up. You know, this is this is a beautiful program, and just stick in there. Don't worry about it. You don't have to be struggling your whole life. Just do what they say. Have a great day. Love you. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate it. Okay, next up we got Jennifer followed by Liz. Good morning, Jennifer. Good morning. This is Jennifer C. Recovered in Greenville, South Carolina. So grateful for this meeting this morning. Um, you know, I was just when I think about um, the progression of this disease. Um, you know, I think about the progression of my recovery today. Right. Um, and how my recovery assumed more serious proportions. Um, whatever I was doing, I had to double it, right? Couldn't keep the food down, kept wanting to talk about everything I was doing that wasn't working. Well, you know what? Double what you're doing. If that's not working, triple what you're doing, right? Um, my recovery has to assume more serious proportions, bottom line. So when I'm in my disease, it becomes paramount to every to everything else in my life. So my commitment to this program has to become paramount so that my spiritual awakening can become paramount, right? So that the notion um, that either God is nothing or everything can become paramount. That has to be paramount in my life today. I have to look at my life through that lens that either God is everything or God is nothing, Um so I have a disease that's going to convince me today that I can let up, right, um, which is in direct contradiction to having to take on more serious proportions. Even though this book tells me that my work um, has to be strenuous, um, my disease is going to tell me that I can let up because I feel pretty good. So where I'm at today is, you know, when I sense that my energy is waning, when I sense that my zeal for this program is uh, is lessening. I have to pray. I have to I have to pray to stay zealous. I have to pray to stay energetic. This book tells me I have to put strenuous work towards my recovery um, every day, day and night, just like I did in my disease. Right. Um, so my prayer and meditation time has to take on more serious proportions. Um, I pray that I don't limit myself that I allow myself to be nourished all throughout the day through prayer and meditation, that it's no longer just in the morning. You know, it has to take on more serious proportions if I am to continue to stay in my awakening. So uh, just as my disease is progressive, I'm so grateful 
today that my recovery is too and that my spiritual awakening and my psychic change are also taking on more serious proportions as I give myself um, wholeheartedly to this process, to this work. As I say the set-aside prayer um, and I really lean into this power that is limitless in my life today. So thank God for recovery um, and thank, thank you all for listening. And with that, I pass. Thanks, Jennifer. Okay, before we go to Philly, let's cross over to the pond. Hey, Liz, good afternoon. Good good morning to you, and it is afternoon (laughs) here. Thank you so much for your beautiful, cheery voice. I love it. My name is Liz E, E for elegant, and I am in very wet, soggy Bristol in the UK. It feels like November here today. But this, the words that stuck out for me was my drinking assumed more serious proportions continuing all day and almost every night. And that just takes me back to a period where, you know, I was pretty successful in my career and it meant staying away overnight quite a bit in London. And I'm just replaying some of the crazy scenes in my head. I had um, a meal allowance to pay for my evening meal and my lunch and breakfast and stuff. And instead of going to a cafe or a restaurant or something like most normal people might do, what did I do? I went to a supermarket and I would buy food that value so it was entirely legitimate within what I was doing but the amount of food that I bought and ate within that 24-hour period was absolutely mad um you know just incessant amounts of food and um I also started to eat quite a bit of it before I got to this flat where I was renting a room because I didn't want the other people in the flat to see how much food I'd bought because I was just really horrified because they would think that I would surely, I'm buying for the whole flat, aren't I? No, it was just for me. So more serious proportions continuing all day and almost every night. And I just also have memories of sitting up after I put my little girl to bed and... Um, her dad's gone to bed and I would wait up so that I could have a good three hours you know on the computer supposedly or watching TV but all I was doing was eating and eating and eating and eating and um, and then I didn't really have big rows about it but my daughter which she would kind of find me out and say mummy can I have one of those ice creams that you bought the other day And I would say, oh, no, they've all gone. But, of course, she's disappointed and she has this bemused look on her face. Why have they all gone? Because, and I was too ashamed to admit to a three-, four-year-old that what I had done. Um, So, yeah, and I don't have to live like that today. I'm recovered by the grace of this program I got into recovery, thankful to these meetings, vision for you during this pandemic. So I'm very grateful, very grateful to my amazing sponsor, 
who might be on the call, I don't know, and to lots of you amazing fellows who've helped me trudge this road. So um, thank you very much, and I'll pass. Oh, thank you, Liz. Okay, next up is Anita, followed by Suri. Hey, Anita, good morning. Hi, thank you, Larry, for your service. And um, this is Anita J. in Massachusetts. Um, gratefully recovered with God's grace. That is it, God's grace. Well, anyway, what stuck out for me is not my bottom, but the progression. And um, one of the things that came to mind so vividly today was the times when I could do all the things I had to do for the day. Somehow I was able to shove the thought of eating way in the back of my mind, and um, I got everything done. Then that salivating came. Well, we ate dinner, and um, that's when I was going to start. And suddenly my husband says, I forgot to tell you, I made the appointment for you to go over and have the your tires rotated. Well, I had already started. I had already started this eating. And, you know, try try eating for a while and stopping abruptly. Oh, I was so mad at him. The problem was him. You know, hey, you want to go all the way back? I didn't want to even make the darn appointment. So he did it. It's a blame me. Anyway, the point is I grabbed some food in my, stick it in my uh, purse, not purse, my pocket, so that I could make the, it was only maybe three miles, make the trip. And some of it dropped on the ground. Not even all of it. I hadn't even finished. I wanted that. And I am steering with one arm, with one hand, or uh, mostly arm, bending over, trying to get whatever rolled over the farthest end of the passenger side. Next thing I know, there's a crash. I have gone up the curb, blew that tire, blew the dog on tire, which I was just going to have him rotated. Well, I was still too far away. I wasn't going to stand there. I drove on that blown tire. And I am lucky that I didn't uh, have to get a new rim. So it's, um, it's, was I embarrassed? No, no, I was somehow able to focus on my husband's, you know, not telling me when the appointment was. And that's how it was always. It was always somebody else's fault. And I don't know any other way to get through a day. I, you know, if you tell me, and I love to know, as long as it didn't mean giving up the food. Well, fortunately, like Bill, things get worse and worse, and there's a happy ending. So, um, anyway, that's all. Pass. Oh, thanks, Anita. Okay, next up, uh, we could probably go two and a half minutes for Suri and Vinny, and then Mia, if we can get you the second hour. My apologies. Suri, good morning. Good morning, Suri C, compulsive overeater from Connecticut. I am still a compulsive eater, and yet 
I'm just so grateful that, um, that you allow us to speak on this line because I had like a week of sobriety. I was like, I, I did it. I, I, I made it. And then my life changed and I got thrown a new monkey wrench and I'm so grateful for the monkey wrenches getting thrown at me. Um, and I'm grateful for this program because it's with listening to this program with just showing up as best I can every day imperfectly that even though I don't have sobriety, I have this fellowship and, and, and the, the voices on this line, which are just because it's about spiritual, it's about spiritual and emotional sobriety more so than, than the food. It's not about how many days of food abstinence I have. It's about how many days I've showed up, how many days I'm, I've improved in my ability to just be present in my life and not be in the food. And even though I am in the food in a different, I'm in the food again, I'm in the food in a different way now that I've, so I'm just, I'm, I know that abstinence is coming in, in its entirety. And I look forward to the day and I work every day in teeny weeny minute to minute steps. And I, I just, that's what this is. Cause when it's real, you're not making excuses when it's real. You're not looking, you're not, you're not looking for escapes. My son just told me right now, two minutes ago, as he walked out of the car, I will never forgive you for this for the rest of my life. I'm going to hold this against you. And I'm like, great. <laughs> and I was able to answer him with just like, okay. And not, and not get back at him. So, and that's with the program, with this program, I can be present for him um, and, and not into myself and into the food. So thank you. Thank God uh, with that I pass. Thanks so much, Sarni. Okay, Mia, it's your, or I'm sorry, Vinny. <laughs> Vinny, it's your turn. Good morning. Uh, good morning. Am I being heard? You are, Vinny. Uh, thank you very much. Um, this is Vinny T, recovered in North Carolina. Um, what got me this morning um, was the remembering or realizing, I guess, how much I, you know, I was so into myself that I didn't see that the people who loved me were hurting, you know, watching me destroy myself. And I mean, it's that, that, that perception, you know, that we, you know, though we just are so sensitive that anyone who tries to reach out to help us, we perceive them as an enemy, you know, they're criticizing me. You know, they're, they're, they're trying to make me do something I don't want to do. And my life got so small because I isolated myself. I protected myself from, from the people who loved me. And I am now so grateful. My world has expanded and I'm able to respond to those who love me. And I'm able to tell them that I love them. And it's made such a difference in my life. I am so grateful. Thank God. And thank all of you. I pass. Oh, thanks. Thanks so much, Vinny. Hey, Matt, if you could, I don't know if Mia is going to be on for the second hour, but if, uh, if you, Mia is on, would you call on her to share in the second hour? I uh, appreciate that, Matt. Okay. Well, that's a wrap. Folks, uh, thank you to everyone who has shared. Uh, please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. Let me give you the share ID for today, for today's meeting. That number is 15,273. That's 15273. 
Okay, and we're now going to close with a reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And Irene B., would you read a vision for you? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Glad to be of service, Larry. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own health is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.